Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Awesome Boom podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I really, really, really do appreciate it. And I really appreciate all the love and the messages, etc., that you guys send me and the feedback uh, regarding the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I feel very, very humbled and I'm glad you guys are enjoying them. This year, 2020, um, I'm going to be doing a lot more and I'm going to be starting to video record them. You can actually watch this podcast um, on YouTube should you wish to see what Luke and I look like. Um, and uh, I'm going to be adding much more of a video element into the podcast moving forward. For all of you interested in starting a healing journey and uh, very much well, exactly the same as Luke and I discuss in this podcast, um, we have another deep dive 10-day transformational healing retreat this April, uh, April 15th to the 21st. Um, so if you are interested in joining us and starting your healing journey, you will be coming and joining me and the rest of the team um, on this life-changing. I mean, that's the only way to really describe it. It's completely and utterly life-changing, um, transformational healing experience that we put on in the heart of, uh, heart of Europe. If you are interested, then drop me a DM or email me. It's super easy, just awesome at awesomeboon.com or just DM me on Instagram. Um, very, very easy. And uh, with your email address, very important. And I will send you uh, the full PDF information. And um, if you are interested, then all you need to do is just very simply just drop me a message and um, we can get you all booked up. Um, other than that, we might as well just roll straight into this podcast. It's uh, about 90 minutes long or so. And um, we go deep into Luke's personal journey, how he found the healing experience, how he's integrated the healing experience, and all of that jazz. So let's not waste any time and head straight in. And that, for me, is what I found I took out of it, um, was that that joy of vulnerability if there's any, if there's if there's one thing i took from the retreat it was just the joy of being vulnerable and how how much i grew in that vulnerable space um i did a lot of plant-based work leading up to it to kind of give myself a a little taster of what i was going into um but yeah, as soon as I got met you at the airport, had a juice, and yeah, got on the plane, and that was it. We were away. Beautiful place, fantastic energy. Sun was out for ten days. It was warm, sunny, relaxing. Met some incredible people that I felt like I've known forever, and I'd never met any of them before. Um, and just went in head first, really. And that was the only way to approach it. If I'd approached it with any sense of trepidation, I think I wouldn't have taken anything from it. I'd have been so close to it all. But I just, I knew that I had to let myself be fully immersed in whatever it was that was going to be given to me. Because um, that was another thing I went into it. I went into it with no expectation. And for 36 years, I've been ruled by expectation. Um, but I've learned that that has been one of my downfalls, expecting anything from, from a situation, really. Um, so I just went and just took what came to me. 
I didn't want anything from it. I didn't need anything from it. I just went to find out what I would be given. And that very much happened on many, many levels. And it's completely life-changing. I think it's interesting what you, uh, your point about expectation. Um, I say this to clients a lot because expectation ultimately is where we've created stories in our head mm. of how we think things should look or how think how we think things should be and um, how often things don't really turn out like that and then we, if ever. We, yeah if ever and then obviously we, we're coding that as a negative because we haven't got what we want or what we expected and how that can create a lifetime of frustration and disappointment and yeah. it's and it's all your own doing because you're, you're creating this scenario this story in your head this is how this should look this is what I'm expecting perfect example of that is um, my marriage so due to things that happened in my parents marriage I had always coded this situation whereby I didn't want to be a certain way. I didn't want to be perceived a certain way. I didn't want my experiences as a husband or father to be a certain way. And I focused so much on not wanting to be a certain person in a certain situation. I created that person and that situation by focusing on what was almost a positive and a negative at the same time, a negative situation that happened in the past thinking well if I focus on that I'll create a positive situation in my present and for my future but I should have just focused on what I wanted to be rather than what I didn't want to be mm. and that's quite a, it's, it's, it's interesting that <clears throat> you've, you've come to notice that mm. because um, again this is a really common scenario that I think a lot of people find themselves in and the issue here ultimately is that whatever we focus on whatever we focus our energy and our attention on we're going to draw more of that stuff towards us and that that's that's the problem with life is because we're coding everything as good bad right and wrong when something is bad that creates pain pain is a pretty powerful emotion for us so it gets a lot of our attention gets a lot of our focus but then what happens is that you're ultimately you're vibrating at that that level of you know ooh you know I don't want that so but you're thinking about it all the time and that's that sets a vibration so that's all you're almost telling the universe the universe is like oh Luke's constantly vibrating at this mm. he, this is what he wants this is obviously where he's happy well we're just going to give him more of it yeah and so often you know there's dozens and dozens of examples I can think of in my personal life my family and friends where people have focused so much on the things that they don't want to happen that those things actually do end up happening mm. and you're like crikey you know if you started to understand more about this reality and that's how we control it if you're, if you're focusing all your time and energy on the things that you don't want yeah. and you're going to do that by default just because it's painful and we focus on pain the the thing i find really interesting is i'd already i already knew this because 
I've focused in a positive way on physical pain for the last probably three years now since I have, I've had back issues and I got bored of being ill. I decided that I was going to start telling myself that I didn't have back issues and I don't get ill and I don't. So I don't feel pain in my back and I don't get ill ever purely because I tell myself the however many trillion cells that listen to me are hearing me saying you don't get ill so they don't get ill mm. and I already knew that that power but I wasn't aware of it and that's that's something something I've learned a lot about is awareness of everything and how once you become aware of these good bad right wrong situations that you find yourself in you can completely control them in any way that you want super interesting no I agree I, I, I talk to people about this all the time every day just trying to make them think in a different way and instead of just constantly sort of thinking well life happens to me mm. I'm a victim of this I don't have any influence over my external and really start to sort of teach them you do you have you have a lot of influence you know you can't you can't stop someone from being a dick to you you can't you can't control the external situations but you can very much control how you respond absolutely to those situations and how you perceive them you take it personally and allow your ego to flare up and get involved in some kind of negative conversation or you can just say well thank you for showing me where I need to grow and move on from it let yeah. it go and it's yeah it, and, and that's when you're recognising when you're being triggered or activated mm -hmm. And that's the thing, again, I was having this deep conversation the other day with a client of mine and um, we're talking about triggers and um, I was explaining, you know, obviously the majority of us, when we get triggered, we're looking to blame. Yep. Bl blame and justify why we're being a certain way. Put it back on somebody yeah. else. Oh yeah, it's, it's always blaming and justifying and projecting onto something else. It's never looking at yourself. But if you do, if you can just control your ego for a few seconds and just go okay, technically, nothing external has any control over how I respond. I am merely observing something, attaching some sort of meaning to it, which is then giving me an internal experience. That's got bugger all to do with that situation or that person. I'm the one telling myself a story about how I feel about that which then causes my body to respond, which gives us this whole 3D sensation of like, mm. fear, anxiety, you know, being annoyed, anger, whatever it is, whatever that trigger creates in you. Yeah. It's usually a negative response. It's always going to be a negative association, again, because it creates pain. Mm. And, and, and our egos, you know, wants to, wants to avoid pain and discomfort and wants to keep you safe. So pain is the perfect place to, to grow and expand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this, again, is, you know, we're kind of almost taught to avoid pain at all costs. Yeah. And this, but this is why we're all sick, because we're not processing. We're not clearing out. We're holding on and stopping ourselves from actually processing and going through pain because we're taught, oh, you know, this day and age, if you're in discomfort, you've got pain, so headache or back pain or anything like this, take a pill. <laughs> yeah. Just take a pill and it'll go away. Yeah. Instead of actually going, right, I've got a sore back. I've got a headache. Why is that? Because mm. my body is telling me, it's trying to tell me that something isn't correct and you need to observe this to fix it. Instead, in this society, it's just like, 
take a bloody pill, crack on with your 3D life, go to work, still become functional. You know, don't listen to your body trying to tell you, dude, you've got a headache because you drink five cups of coffee every single day and then drink a (laughs) bottle of wine every single night and you're not taking enough water. You're heavily dehydrated all the time, which is exactly why you suffer from fatigue. You're not sleeping well, depression, anxiety. You know, you've got back pain because you're sat in a chair all day, you're slumped, your posture is crap. And if you keep just suppressing these little messages I'm trying to tell you, your back's going to get worse, your headaches are going to get worse, your general health is going to deteriorate. But society and, you know, don't say that. It's just like, take a pill. Mm. Just take a pill. And, and, and you won't feel the pain or discomfort. It, it's, it's coding us never to explore pain. Yeah, absolutely. But essentially, unless we explore our pain, our pain is always <clears throat> going to dictate how we experience the reality moving forward. It's always going to hold us back. And this is what I realized with me, and this is why... This is why you and I met because, yeah, absolutely, you know, I, I got to a point in my life where I was in pain. I'd been in pain for a long time. I didn't recognize it as pain. It was just like, well, I feel certain ways. I, I've got a head full of noise, but it's okay because I can, I can take prescription drugs and that will stop the pain. I can drink alcohol. That yeah. will stop that will help stop the pain. Yeah. I can take illegal recreational drugs and that will also help. Um, I can detach myself from reality and become unconscious and that will also help. But it's not helping. It's just continually suppressing all of the stuff which you need to process. Mm. And that's what I learned on my journey is like, you know, go through the pain. Because one, you realize that everything is temporary. So it doesn't matter how painful it is or how scary it is, Mm. it's temporary. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely that. So the amount of pain that's been thrown at me in the last, well, since what, May, June last year, is phenomenal when you look at the amount of pain that's been thrown at me in the previous 36 years. It's probably equal, if not more. But I spent 36 years pushing it away when I was trying to be, they were, I was being taught a lesson and I was being taught the same lesson over and over again, but I continually decided not to learn that lesson so it just kept getting thrown straight back at me in a slightly different form quick rebrand yeah here we go have that again maybe you'll do it this time nope okay right we'll turn it up a little bit rebrand it throw it back at you nope 36 years of that (laughs) and then one day you just kind of go oh shit i keep noticing this what's this thing that's happening again i'm pretty sure this has happened before and before and before and before but something I've learned about myself is that I'm capable of dealing with very high amounts of stress, pain, discomfort. I'm very capable of processing and turning what could very easily be perceived as negative and painful into anything I want. Um, and the universe knows this and the universe also knows that I don't learn from your average lesson. We've tried him with these normal lessons, but he's clearly not learning. So ramp this stuff up. We've got to take it to a completely new level because he's just not going to listen otherwise. So let's really hammer him. And that's what kind of, that was a massive slap around the face and I basically had to lose everything or I had to feel like I was losing everything to realize that I wasn't losing anything and that I had everything already. 
but I very much realised that I have to be put in very high stress situations to be able to process and come out the other side. I may I agree with you. I think actually you and I we're, we're very we're very similar in that in that respect. Where I'd sort of I'd breeze through my life just drinking, being unconscious, unpresent, mm. and. I could have carried on like that oh, me too. for the rest of time, and yeah. it wouldn't wouldn't have been a problem f- yeah. for me at that point. Yeah, no, no, no it's exa- exactly the same with me because I created so many amazing stories in my head why yeah. I was still wonderful. Excuse, 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 yeah. excuse. Regardless of yeah. drinking and being unpresent, you know, there's so many brilliant tales I told myself. But yeah, for, for me again, it was that huge pain point, that massive slap, that experience of like oh shit you know what if I don't change I am gonna as far as I was concerned I'm I'm losing everything I'm mm. gonna lose everything mm. so and you've got this choice and like and that's what the the ayahuasca showed me on that like huge 10 days I did you know the the sort of crescendo of it was like these two paths it's like look this is this is where you are this is your familiar this is this is this is what's going to happen if you keep doing what you're doing and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your choice, if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out. Or if you look at here, look at that path. If you make some little changes, which will feel like massive changes, but I promise you they're only really little sort of shifts because a little shift leads to a big correction further down the course. Definitely. This is what you can attain. This is what you can do. This is what you can be. This is who you can become. Mm. And actually, if you're honest with yourself, all of those attributes, all things that you really admire and actually know you've always wanted to be able yeah. to do, but you've always had this doubt and fear and and lack of self-confidence. So the decision is yours. You can keep you can keep all these old pre-programs, which all these things which have been projected onto you by your past and your schooling and families and stuff like that and other traumatic shit. Or you can choose to let all that go mm. and all this noise in your head will just disappear mm. and the need to drink and to take drugs to sort of suppress all that noise will no longer be there yep. and you'll have the time and the energy and the focus and the attention to focus on really what you want to do and achieve but you've just got to make that choice and you've got to heal and that's going to be dark mm. and it's going to feel really scary but all of it's temporary definitely absolutely um yeah, some of the some of the lessons that <clears throat> that I needed to learn in that healing space after I'd had what I perceived to be everything ripped out of my grasp just before the retreat, basically. Um, there was there was a couple of very profound moments. There was a lot of profound moments, but there were there was one especially, which was during the first ceremony we did something that has always been an issue of mine is the fear of being alone or just loneliness and I felt after my wife had left and our son had gone um, with her and it was just me um, rattling around I felt completely alone and we were in this first ceremony and I'd been sat there just for hours hadn't moved thinking crying just thinking about how alone I felt and a friend of ours came up to me completely out of the blue 
hugged me and whispered in my ear, you're not alone. And it was, it was incredible. And just knowing that somebody knew that that's how I was feeling and was like, well, you're not alone, don't worry about it. It's like, it's three words. And that completely changed that whole situation. And from that point, I realised that even when I feel more alone, sat at home on my own, in the dark, um, I'm never alone because I'm completely connected to anything and everything that I choose to be connected to. Because I am, my experience of, of everything is, is whatever I want it to be. So I choose not to be alone, mm. and therefore I'm not alone. Yeah. It's very simple. And it is, it's making that, that choice. Once, you, and once that realisation that it is literally a choice, you can choose to be alone and sit at home and, and feel sad about that, or you can realise that you're not alone. You might be a thousand miles from, from that person that said those three words to you, or whatever, but you're not, you're not alone. You're constantly connected to everybody. Mm. I think well, it, it, this sort of ties into what we were talking about before we came on air. Um, and the point has just completely just, <laughs> just sipped off from my head. No, we were talking about how you can, you, you, you can just, you can add that whatever you want. You can turn any experience into anything you want. It's all down to how you choose to perceive it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that we've, all, we've already got however anything makes us feel or how anyone makes us feel, we've already got all those feelings inside of us. It's not them, essentially, who makes... Nothing has the power to make us feel anything because it's, it's us who create the feelings. Hmm. It's just some association we've attached to a place or a person. I think with the loneliness thing for me as well, my ego wanted me to be alone because then I could feel sorry for myself. So I've got my ego going, you're alone, you've got nothing, you've got nobody feel sorry for yourself, go on, feel sorry for yourself. I'm, I don't want to feel like that. I want to be happy. Mm. Therefore, I'll choose to be happy, whether I sit at home on my own or whether everybody comes around for a cup of tea. Mm. It makes no difference. But the thing is with the ego, the ego the ego doesn't care if you're sad. It, do, it really doesn't give a shit. It, it literally, all it's, all it's interested in is keeping that chimp suit alive. Mm -hmm. And if that means locking you in your flat, for the next 20 years feeling sorry and sad for yourself and it will just keep creating stories of why you can't go out and justifications and all of this sort of rubbish yeah. just to keep itself safe. It doesn't give a damn about you or no. what you want to do with your life and you know it's not interested. It doesn't worry about being happy or sad. It's just I just want to keep this experience going. Yeah. And that realisation that I wasn't alone um, and silencing that part of, of my ego I guess um, was again a life changing moment um, being around 20 odd people that I'd never met and sharing things I've never spoken about and being completely vulnerable in a space and just makes you realise that you're not the only one dealing with shit Whereas your ego's going, you're the only one dealing with shit. It's just you and you've, yeah. No one blah, else blah, understands. Blah, 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 blah. No one understands. How are they ever going to understand when really everybody understands? Yeah. And that was the joy of the retreat for me was meeting just incredible people that allowed me to be completely vulnerable and were also completely vulnerable in front of me. 
and that just that wall that's that stops so many of us from talking about our problems especially us men us chaps us chaps that aren't allowed to talk about their problems and are just told to man up chin up lad um yeah, being encouraged to behave in that way, just you feel ten foot tall. It's interesting because I mean I've noticed you you brought it, you've used the term vulnerability at least half a dozen times since we started, <laughs> and um, vulnerability for me was something which just terrified me. Yeah. You know, like I think most men, it just terrifies us the notion of being vulnerable because we are totally schooled to yeah, man up, sort your shit out, mm-hmm. you know, just crack on with life. And um, like yourself, I think if more people realise the strength you obtain through vulnerability, like every person, every man would be like being vulnerable about their self. And yeah, you know what? Some people are going to go, oh, you know what, mate? Stop being a pussy, man up. I'm mm. just like, dude, I'm, if, if that's what you want to think, that's fine because you're only saying that because actually... You want to be like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> triggering you. Yeah. And, you know, you might cry in quiet, you know, in your car on the way to work and hope no one sees. But, you know, we're all human beings. And regardless yeah. of your facade in the pub after a few beers and all this confidence and oh, just man up, I know full well that you experienced life in exactly the same way. And you felt exactly and you can relate to how I'm feeling. You just think it's a sign of weakness, yeah. which it isn't weakness at all, because once we if we embrace what we consider to be weak or our vulnerabilities, we can then turn them into strengths. Yeah. Everything you can flip. And that's one of, I think one of the big things of life is that everything that you perceive or I perceive to be weak about myself, you can flip that. There'll be a positive to that on the other side. So just work on it. Instead of avoiding them, well, I'm rubbish at this, I'm rubbish at that, so I'm just gonna avoid it my whole life because I'm scared of failure talking about myself as classic trait for me for years I was scared of failure so then instead of trying and failing I wouldn't try at all because I was like I don't, I don't want to fail mm-hmm. so I wouldn't do anything unless I was absolutely sure I could execute it and do it properly but then you stop yourself from really expand, expanding and growing and stuff yeah, so I'm just going to do what I can do and stick with that just stay stuck in a little rut mm. um yeah, trying to. I see now. I, see, I notice these days so much more people that I've been close to for many, many years just stuck in those ruts, stuck in that space where they're still scared of being vulnerable and they've got so much shit to heal. And if they could just step outside of that little comfort. I don't like calling it a comfort zone because although it is a comfort zone, it's not a comfortable zone to be in. When you step into the zone of discomfort, yeah, it's a prison. It's just, it's the zone that you're used to rather than a comfort zone because it's not comfortable. The zone I'm in now after stepping out of my comfort zone is my comfort zone. (laughs) Um, But that's the scary thing. And we, 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 but we see this with, with, with humanity. We see it. It's a classic behavioral trait where we have the ability to normalize very very fast and because of that we can very quickly get ourselves down into ruts and then normalize it oh well this is just what life is so very quickly you can find yourself from being in 
what we call a, a normal sort of life and slipping into say a, an abusive relationship with a new partner and before you know it you have normalized the outburst the crying the screaming the shouting which is happening every single day and you you you're kicked straight back into survival mode so all your ego and your human self is focused on is surviving and just getting through day by day day by day and that's it you're just going lower 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 and deeper 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 into the ruts and you know maybe five ten years later you suddenly go how the hell have I got myself in this situation? It's like, well, you just normalize stuff so fast, which has triggered this survival mode that you'll just do anything to survive. And it's just keep your head down, eat, go to work if you've got a job, and go to the pub on your way home. Yeah, sleep, repeat. And it's just survival, survival. And you see it. You see it all the time, especially like living in London. You know, people who get out of work and the first thing they're doing is chinning five pints before they can bear to get on the train to get back to their families. And they don't have to think about anything at work because they're working and then they step out of work. Excuse me. And um, and that's when you start thinking about things again. So you think, oh, I'll just go and have five pints and then I don't have to think about anything again. And then I'll be asleep so I don't have to think about anything. And then I wake up and it's that constant just being asleep, constantly asleep even when you're awake. But that that will change. It has to change, especially for us, us chaps. Something I'm, something I'm working on at the moment is creating spaces for men such as ourselves to just shift their thinking a little bit. Um, I've got some plans that are gonna hopefully manifest this year little name drop there <laughs> um, support groups in various ways a bit like the magic of boon chat oh yeah boon chat boon chat that beautiful space um, yeah just to help men really men like me men like you shift their thinking a little bit and completely change their lives move away from fear move away from self-doubt and move into vulnerable uncomfortable spaces where they can go from from that scared angry I'm talking about myself now um, miserable unfriendly unconscious all of these things that I was into somebody that just loves everything. I still have dark days, obviously. I don't think anybody will ever be completely free of it. Or maybe some people will. That's that's a goal to work towards. But it's just like like I said earlier, it's, it's realisation. It's being aware of those dark days and what they mean and having the tools to be able to turn it into a good day. Mm. When you wake up and you think you're sad and you're miserable, you can just think, well, I'm not flipped but yeah um watch this space for for something this year big coming from me good i think i mean we we've we've, we've discussed you know the 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 need for more male focused mental health support yeah. i mean we're not we're not trivializing mental health for women i mean it's, no not at all absolutely it's, not it, it's massive but historically um in recent years you know men have had i would argue 
far less support. Yeah. Because also, I think, you know, I don't think... Um, I think we've done that to ourselves because oh, it's this sort of almost like double-edged thing where, you know, you need other men to be able to talk to, you know, about your problems. But then if men aren't talking, then you just don't have that. Yeah. So then just... It has be able to be to, a domino effect. Yeah, it has to be that domino effect. And, um, and I'm feeling I, that men, like... I experienced it myself where I was laughed at by my doctor for suicidal and homicidal thoughts literally laughed in my face if I would have been a woman I'd have had a very sympathetic ear I would put money on that but because I was a man talking about these things my doctor laughed at me that is terrifying it is absolutely terrifying and that woke me up to the fact that fortunately I was in a space where I didn't take it the wrong way I took it for what it was that was obviously he was uncomfortable with what I was telling him but I also realised at that point that if I wasn't me and somebody who was right on the edge would walk out of there and jump off a bridge or mm. walk in front of a train or whatever. Um, and that's when I realised I needed, like it was my calling basically to, to help men and help men talk to each other because that's where it is for me. As a man, I can talk to many other men and say, look, this happened to me, but it's fine. Talk to me about it. And let's talk to this guy about it and this guy about it and this guy about it. And then you get a group of men talking about really deep pain and it doesn't seem as big a thing anymore. It's just a conversation where instead of talking about football, down the pub, beer, wicked, you're talking about, oh, well, I thought about jumping off a bridge the other day on Wednesday. I woke up and I thought, time to check out. And that becomes as normal as talking about how many pints of Stella you drank at the weekend. And that's the key. It's changing that conversation. Mm. No, I agree. Uh, Normalising it, having those healthy conversations. And, and also recognising that just because you think it doesn't mean it's real. Yes. And this is a really, really big thing. You know, you're not, you, we are not our thoughts. And we have to challenge that. And just because our, our mind is busy creating these stories and situations and oh, well, you know, life is terrible. I mean, and I've had it, you know, in the last, you know, since since my big sort of shift, you know, I've had some very, very dark days, mm. like really, really challenging. And, you know, people nearest and dearest to me, you know, have, have always been there to sort of like help support that. But some very, very challenging days, despite the fact that, you know, online, you know, I'm always very positive and I am very positive. But that still doesn't mean I don't have crippling dark days, yeah. you know, you know, because it's been a continual journey of sort of healing and dealing with stuff. And I've had some yeah, horrible thoughts, like really, really dark thoughts of, you know, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to be here any longer. I just, you know, yeah. I literally and that's it. I don't want to be here. I know I could be somewhere else. And. You know, and then then you, 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 your mind starts creating all these situations. Well, how would I do it? How would I look? And oh, or would I write a letter? Or would I? I mean, I don't know. How would I tell my wife? Or, or what would I say? And it's just story of sort of. And then before you know it, you spent all bloody day thinking yeah. about something which actually, for me, I mean, I'd never do. No, n neither would I. I'd, n I'd never do because life, I've come to realise now, is just so wonderfully precious mm. 
it's such a gift and you know again that's not trivializing traumas and things that people go through um, at all but if people could really see that situations are temporary and even when we feel completely overwhelmed by emotion and we just feel so unbelievably lost and so full of fear and terror and discomfort that all we can think of is well i'll just go i'll just oh two weeks ago um (laughs) just moved house settled into my lovely new house brilliant happy everything's going well um and then classic the universe goes you need a lesson because this is all going a bit too well so let's just kind of rein it in a little bit here slap you're being divorced (laughs) right okay brilliant (laughs) wasn't expecting that one um and that was it immediately right i'm checking out instant kind of defense mechanism which is scary in itself that 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 the first thing i thought about to try and bring myself out of that out of that space was all right it's time to check out because another scary thing about suicide is how normal it can become in your mind just like oh i'm gonna go and make a cup of tea because i fancy a cup of tea because i'm thirsty oh i'm not feeling too good about something i'm gonna go and kill myself it's just a very normal easy almost comfortable space to be in um yeah you're being divorced right time to check out and i kind of sat in that space for two or three hours spent a train journey an hour and a half on a train crying my eyes out thinking just go and jump off a bridge that's probably the best way to do it there's lots of bridges around here because i'm in the countryside there's lots of hills it's a nice day be a good night good day to do it the sun's out good day to die (laughs) um and then you just kind of think well hang on a minute what what am i thinking about here i'm I'm not going to do this because, well, firstly, I now know that I'm just going to get sent straight back and have to do it all again because I haven't learned my lesson. You've run away from your lesson and you can't run away from it. You have to, you have to learn your lesson. And secondly, what am I leaving behind? I'm leaving behind the most precious thing to me, which would be my three-year-old boy. What am I doing to him? Oh, okay. I can't deal with my shit. You deal with it. (laughs) Tenfold. And yeah, right. I mean that that that, but that's yeah, that's, that's the, the reality that's of it. The, that's the brutal reality, yeah. isn't it? You, and it is a, it's difficult to talk about this like this because I do feel like almost like I'm trivialising it and saying there's a part of me that thinks well, there's there's men that haven't been able to come to these realisations and have jumped off a bridge or whatever, taken their own lives in whatever way that they've done it. And that's absolutely not the case at all. I'm not saying, oh, well, they shouldn't have done that. They should have learned their lesson. Because I'm fortunate in that the people I've had around me over the last eight months have helped me come to certain realizations whereby that isn't an option. Had I not have met people like you and people, there's too many to list. Um, then I probably would have would have done it if I didn't have a little boy that I love so much. I probably would have done it, but I'm I'm fortunate that I have something to hold on to, I guess, and that I know that yeah, like I said, I'm just coming straight back and doing it all again. And I don't want to do that. I'm quite happy doing it now. 
come a long way. And this is what I want. I want to take people away from that brink and pull them back a little bit and go, well, hang on a minute. This is what you've got. Don't think about what you haven't got. Think about what you have got. And even if you think you've got nothing and on paper you've got nothing, that isn't true. There's always something. And you're not alone. And that's what it comes down to. That that crippling loneliness that you feel, for me anyway, knowing consciously I'm not alone, and I've been taught that in many ways recently, but as soon as you flip that switch in your head where you think, right, checkout mode gets turned on, you immediately feel alone. And it takes, it takes something to turn that switch off because very often you can't do it yourself. There has to be, there doesn't have to be an external influence, but it helps to have somebody to talk to, just reaching out to somebody, somebody that you might have never met before, but just goes, yeah, I know how you feel. I literally know exactly how you feel. I was, I felt like that yesterday or a week ago. And I know this guy and 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 come into this space where we can all talk about this together. And instead of normalizing that feeling of checking out, we'll normalize the feeling of being okay with the, the fact that you feel like that because it's okay to think that, but it's not okay to do it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think I think learning to learning to sit with your experiences, your emotions and feeling it for what it really is. And yeah. I think this the problem is is that we get activated by something and which is for me always a projection. Yeah. Somebody's projecting their shit onto me that makes me want to kill myself. I know it's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> like, so I'm not even doing it because I feel bad about myself. I'm doing it because somebody else thinks I'm a dick, basically. <laughs> that's, that's what it comes... And that's just ridiculous. Mm. And I, I would put, if I had any money, some money on the fact that a lot of people that check out are probably checking out because of projections. And it's probably not even their, their shit in the first place. Well, I think... I mean, you bring up a really valid point. I think, um, I think the majority of us... The, the 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 shit that we have is is from projections. Yeah. You know, someone someone's done something to us. Someone's made us feel a certain way. Mm. You know, then we carry that with us. And and in my opinion, it's never okay to to want to end your life, your existence on this beautiful planet because somebody else can't deal with their shit. That's not an acceptable thing. So I've made it my mission to stop people from doing that or not support people that feel like that mm. rather than stop people from doing it because I can't stop anybody from doing no, anything I mean, they you want know, to do. Free will. If someone makes a conscious choice, that, that's what they want to do. But provide support for those people that are being put in those spaces f- through projection mm. from other people that can't deal with their shit and realise that it is just their shit. It's not your shit. Don't do it. I think there's a valid lesson for a lot of people to understand that when when people behave a certain way to you which upsets you the majority of the time it actually has nothing to do with you at all and it's it's literally just an internal well an external reflection of what's happening internally for them yeah. and you know happy people don't act like assholes no 
happy people don't bully, they don't intimidate, they don't try to control, they don't manipulate. Happy people just don't do any of those behaviours because happy people will just seek to encourage and to expand others. So if people are projecting onto you and there's control, manipulation, fear, anger, you know, aggression, it's because they're 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 going through turmoil mm. internally, and then they're just projecting that poison out onto the world. Yeah. So I'll say this now: if you feel like that, and you're a man, or if you're anybody, but especially this is aimed at men, go onto Instagram, follow Manifest Dot Support, and come and talk to me because I want to talk to you. I would rather sit and listen to you for thirty minutes than listen to your eulogy. Yeah. Yeah, and come and join Boon Chat. Come and join Boon Chat. Yeah, there's lots of there's a lot of support there. Because that's an amazing. Sp- I love Boon Chat. Some of my best friends that I've never met in the physical world are in that beautiful space. Okay, so a few of you are now going to be thinking, "What the hell's Boon Chat?" <laughs> yeah. um, I've just realised. This is Boon Chat. <laughs> Boon Chat. Um, yeah, Boon Chat is a is a is a is a WhatsApp group that I set up for anybody and everybody. Um, um, just to come in and it's just a really amazing group of people that's around sort of a hundred or so at the moment yeah um, who just and talk about everything everything to do with life and oh, literally everything everything every, everything is discussed we can go from talking about cats to suicide in in a minute yeah it can just change like that it's it's a beautiful beautiful space so if anybody wants to come and join this group I will warn you you need to turn your notifications off <laughs> because <laughs> there is two to three thousand messages every single day yeah um, so yeah you need to turn your notifications off but it's, it's a source of entertainment support oh, edu- education uh, so much love lots and lots of love from some really amazing people from all over the world um, and it's actually I mean as I, I think I've discussed with you it's, it's something that I want to grow mm. I want to create a, a, a community app um, well it's inspired me to want to do the same from, yeah. from my from my project yeah it's so, it's so important just to start creating these sort of communities and I mean, I, I had I, I had no idea how Boon Chat was going to go. It literally just it sort of popped into my head one night, just going, "Oh, I'll create a business WhatsApp group and just fill it with people who who follow you who want to sort of learn more." And then it's just yeah, it's just exploded. Yeah, fascinating. It's been a fascinating experiment for me. Yeah, I'm like, sure. Really, really interesting. I think it. If it was to be analysed as some kind of social experiment, it would be revolutionary. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there's tens and tens of thousands of messages on that. I'd love to... I'd love to, If there's a total message count from day one to now, I'd love to see what that would be. God, I'm sure. So it was June the... June the something. Yeah. June the 5th it. or something like that. And yeah, there's... But it's been great, like you it's know, got to be half a million messages in there. Easy. I I just love because I I share a lot of stuff in there, so I've sh- shared like all the joke dispenser meditations, yeah, absolutely, which loads of people have been using and getting involved with, which has been beautiful. Inspirational uh, podcasts that people listen to that just get dropped in there. Everything, yeah, yeah. 
videos of me in the bath. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see Luke in the bath, giving a daily update, uh, yeah. those those are in there. So yeah, if anybody out there listen, you know, is listening and wants to sort of join that, just send me a DM and there's a there's a link that I can send you. You just come straight in. It's a it's a fantastic space. Yeah. Um, so much love, and everybody just wants to help everybody. It's very powerful. Very. But what it what it but what it shows for me is. Um, you know, it was the whole idea of of creating a community, and I think this is why society is challenged so much at the moment because community is actually being broken down. Mm-hmm. And when you create a really healthy community, everybody supports each other, even if someone else in the community is being a pain in the ass. You know, there's always support and there's love, and there's understanding, and there's compassion, and I think what the what the group has shown me is that you know it's obviously a, it's, it's a small group of test subjects but that that could be rolled out onto a much larger scale mm. and you know i think community is very very powerful and very very important um i've seen it i remember last year when i went to breaking convention that amazing psychedelic uh conference over like three days in greenwich and I had the most amazing time there because it's just this wonderful community of you've got everybody there you've got your psychedelic elders and your psychedelic teenagers and everyone else in between and you know there's just this beautiful community feeling about it mm. um and uh yeah it's sort of it, it made me realize that we need to promote more community definitely and that's what i want to try and do with boon chat is just to keep keep growing that community because all it's nice because you you're attracting like-minded people mm. and this is the interesting thing about doing it is that people find the group because they find me so then anyone in the group has already got this interest in improving themselves healing and you know have a general understanding a more advanced understanding about maybe how this world works and how we can improve it for ourselves and everybody else so i think it's a really great way of getting a very very interesting group of people together who all have a lot to add. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, very powerful. And for people like me that spend 99% of my life at home with a cat, it's a way to actually talk to people because I don't want to go down the pub no. because there's no conversation there that I want to really engage in. Um, I spend, yeah, I'm at home a lot and it's, it's they're my friend. Mm. And this is what I think is when, you know, people talk about the internet and social media being negative. Mm. This is my sort of retort is that it's like, no, 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 no. It depends how you use be. it. Yeah. You know, it can be negative and toxic if that's, if that's what you're pushing and promoting. But if you're pushing, you know, compassion, love, you know, exploration, you know, humor, then that's just going to perpetuate and grow. Mm. Um, we need to have more of that in this world. Definitely. Yeah. More love, more compassion, more humour, more interest in understanding of, of fellow human. More heart based activity. Heart I like that. More heart based activity. Get out of the bloody head. Yeah. And start using your heart. Yeah. Our heads will always create chaos. Because you know, because literally mo- the majority of our thoughts going around our head are, is our ego. Yeah. As soon as you're judging, as soon as you're creating any sort of judgment or you're coming from a point of fear or lack or scarcity, it's always your ego. My heart has no space for ego. Yeah. Nothing that comes out of my heart has, has 
any form of egotistical attachment it's just pure love and for me that's the space that the ego suffocates mm. although I think this is another interesting point because obviously you will hear a lot about ego death and stuff like that yeah. and I'm like it's, no. it's not about ever killing the ego the ego is an integral part of this experience and it's it adds a huge amount of value to this experience but it is very much about recognizing that the ego is part of this basic programming with this chimp suit that we we find ourselves in and it's about recognizing that you're the captain of this ship mm -hmm. and you're in control and you need to start giving clear concise orders my ego is very good teacher mm. it I, I project i project from my heart as much as i possibly can but my ego is constantly teaching me how to project from my heart more and showing me places that I need to work on, bits that I need to grow. And that's what my ego gives me. Because if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't be able to grow. My ego basically writes my textbooks and does and sets me my homework that that I then turn into I turn that into something that I can give back that doesn't come from my ego. It's, it's my teacher. Oh definitely. You can we can learn so much yeah somebody says something and my ego goes right tell him he's a dick yeah. and I go no we're not going to do that no. we're going to work out why you want to tell him he's a dick and then fix that problem mm. yeah and because otherwise you're allowing other people in this world yeah. to create a reaction inside you exactly so you're basically saying to yourself I have no control over how other people make me feel mm-hmm I, I, I'm not prepared to live in a world anymore where I give so much power over to other people so they can they can create a negative issue in me. I'm like, no way, I'm just gonna heal that. And it is, it's coming it comes back to this trigger work and it's 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 so powerful and you know, you get triggered and you get angry and pissed off and annoyed, and the first thing you want to do is go, Ugh, that's your fault. You made me behave like this. Instead of just having that honest conversation, it's like, okay. I feel really, really pissed off at the moment. But why? Mm. What is that about? Because you can continue to get angry and project onto the other person, but whatever that person did or whatever's happened in that situation is going to keep getting you mad every single time that situation or that person arises in your life. So you're now a hostage to something in the external. And you're like... That's just, you're just overexposed. That, that's, that's bad vulnerability. Yeah. The ego's got you in a box. Yep. And you should have your ego in a box. Yep, totally. You're, you're totally stuck. And in any moment, completely out of your control, something can activate, trigger you, which is going to ruin your day. And like, okay, you can continue living in that reality for the rest of your life where you've got no control. You know, those, your, your colleagues at work, your boss can just really fuck with your day yeah just like that just like that should they decide to and you've got no control over that and then it ruins your day and you you know your boss says something which you take the wrong way so then you create stories in your head and you're pissed off and you're angry and you're going to quit your job and you're going to drown your boss in a pint of lager <laughs> after work and all these little things all this noise yeah. you finish work you go to a pub you have one too many beers you get home you have an argument with the missus the kids think you're a dick you go to bed 
you wake up dehydrated, annoyed, and repeat. Yeah. All because you've allowed somebody else to make you feel a certain way. Because they're not happy with themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason they've done it. Without recognising that your boss has no bloody control over you because he can say anything. Yeah. If you just allow that just to flow over the top of you and don't take anything personally, which you just don't need to take anything personally, so what? Of nearly 8 billion people in this world, I recognised a long time ago, at least 10 million of them are going to think I'm a complete arsehole. <laughs> probably a hell of a lot more and I'm cool with that <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm so cool with that yeah you can think whatever you want about me yeah I don't because care it, it literally I don't need their validation it doesn't change how I feel about yeah. myself I don't need someone to keep coming up to me and go oh you're amazing mm. or if someone comes up to me and go I think you're an arsehole I'd be like do you know what dude thank you so much for having the balls and the courage to come up and actually be honest mm. Yep. Now, tell me about this, because I think you're triggered, so uh, this is a perfect opportunity to sort of look <laughs> at yourself. Let's do some work. Let's, let's do some work. That's probably when I get punched in the face, actually. Yeah. Not everybody wants to do their work. No. No. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody will do it when they're ready. Or they won't. It's their choice. So... Um, Bouncing back to the retreat, because yeah, I, I, I want to... I super tangent. Super tangent. I, but I want to know... Um, because obviously, I mean, I talk about ayahuasca a lot and, you know, it's for me, it's the most revolting, horrible, disgusting drink. Yeah, I quite liked it. Yeah. And you, you, you quite liked it. Yeah. I remember the first cup looking over at you and you're just like someone squeezed lemons in your eyes. And I was thinking, what's going on here? Drank it. And I thought, it's quite nice. You're weird. Yeah. But then I also thought that about San Pedro. I thought it was quite tasty. Oh, see, I don't mind the San Pedro. Mm. San Pedro is different. You know, ayahuasca was tasty. Then I don't really, I don't really care about flavour. It's just a taste. Again, you can just, you can make it whatever you want. No, but of course, I mean that 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 that's my human ego going. Yeah, dude, that was nasty. Stop doing that. Yeah, nasty, this is revolting. Nasty, nasty. I know that. I know what's coming. The, yo, spit it out. Spit it out. You hate it. But like, even with the ayahuasca, though, when I'm sat there thinking to myself, I'm going to have a second cup. My my body just goes, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like the taste of it. It was an interesting, interesting three nights though. Very much a roller coaster. Um, it was interesting that a lot of people talk about having like four, like HD images of their life flashed in front of their eyes nothing like that happened for me it wasn't that was clearly not what I needed at that point everything that happened to me was based on my present um, I needed to hear what was going on in my present moment which was the reason I was there and she knew that so that's what she helped me with um, I was bathed with just immersed in love for most of it there were peaks and troughs um, First night, first night was really interesting. Actually, I had a full body scan. So I was put into some kind of. It was basically like an MRI scanner, and felt my body being like probed for want of a better word. It wasn't really like being probed, <laughs> but scanned. We'll go with scanned. Stay, um, with, stay with scanned. <laughs> yeah. Pro probed might scare a few people. Yeah, definitely not probed. Definitely just scanned. Um, <laughs> It was like an MRI scanner without the claustrophobia, but then I quite like being MRI scanned as well. Um, 
Again, you're weird. Yeah. It's <laughs> quite an interesting place to be. But anyway, tangent. Um, night one was really good. Lots and lots of love. Lots of, you're in the right place. I'm going to help you. Um, I'll give you a full body scan. See what we need to do. And then I'll let you know. Um, so that happened. And then I had this feeling of... So I've been... My, my, ugh, my body has been very clean for... Um, a couple of years now I've been very conscious of what I've been putting into myself Um, not eating meat um, not drinking for 14, 15 months now something like that Um, not smoking um, no illegal drugs but it's not it didn't all happen at the same time it's just been phased out over the last 14 months starting with booze and meat you booze you lose it's my new favourite saying. I, t- I totally agree with you as a former alcoholic. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, but one thing that I was basically told was that your your body's good. Like, I'm happy with what you've been doing. Like, well done. Keep it up. Um, and there was no purging for me at any point during ayahuasca. So n- on none of the three nights? None of the three you nights. You weren't sick at all? I only purged out my eyes with tears. Um, but no, no sickness, no diarrhea. Um, didn't even feel sick at any point. Not even any nausea. And I put that down to a me, kind of thinking I don't need to purge because I'm I'm cool with what's inside me, in my physical body, and and the scan showing that I didn't need to because there wasn't really any toxins in there. Um, but I very much got that feeling that I was being told that you need to stay on this path of, of what you're what you're consuming and not consuming, more importantly, is very good for you. So congrats, crack on. So Mother Ayahuasca said yes to the pizza diet. Yes to the pizza diet, <laughs> which was so 2019. Um, has the pizza diet evolved? The pizza diet has, yeah, I've put... I've, park that one put it on the shelf <laughs> it was getting a bit out of hand I did 16 pizzas in 14 days <laughs> um, I think that was when I realised it got a little bit too much <laughs> that's fantastic yeah um, and that wasn't like pizza for lunch and dinner that was just having two pizzas one night for dinner on two nights in, in two weeks I ate pizza every night for two weeks anyway um so yeah, night one was really good, really positive, well done, pat on the back, keep going, here's some love, this is love and light and joy and happiness, um, now go and have some rest and prepare yourself for night two, because night two was a completely different kettle of fish. Um, night two was uh, horrific. <laughs> It was. It was horrific, um, but taught me a hell of a lot. Um, so on the first night, we were for people that had never drunk ayahuasca before. We had a cup, and if you wanted a second cup, you could have a second cup. So I did, and I just assumed that night two would be the same. It would be a choice, and well, everything is a choice, but sometimes it isn't. So cup one, lovely. Loads of love, loads of just yellow, beautiful light and just feelings of just 
unconditional love. This is what it is. Um, and then a really nice period of reflection, sitting there, big smile on my, on my face, thinking about all of the beautiful things that I have in my life and just the love that I, that I am. And then, and now it's time for the second cup. And immediately the fear in me, which I know now was my ego going, oh shit. Um, and I was like, no, no, I'll be all right. I won't have the second cup. And it was like, no, you're having a second cup. I was like, no, it's fine. I don't need a second cup. I've just had a really nice first cup. Tough. You're having a second cup. And it was really difficult. It got really difficult from that point onwards. Um, I had this feeling that I'd let everybody down. Everybody in the room, I felt like I'd let down. So I went up and drank the second cup, went and sat back down and basically kind of slipped into this almost vegetative state. Well, that's how I felt. I just felt horrible. Mm. Um, wasn't, it was the exact opposite of the first cup and the previous night. And I kind of, I sat there and I thought, right, I'll just, I'll roll with it and it'll be over soon. And then I can go to sleep and everything will be fine. Um, but just this feeling of despair and like I'd, like I'd let people down. <laughs> One of the craziest things was there were some shakers that were being shook at various points and they'd been placed at my feet. Now my paranoid mind at this point, because that's basically the state I'd got myself into, paranoia that that my energy was having a negative effect on everybody else who was going through all of these wonderfully positive experiences, which wasn't the case at all, because everybody has their peaks and troughs on ayahuasca. It's not like everyone else is dancing and singing and you're just feeling shit. Um, these shakers have been put at the end of my feet and my head told me that they were um, stones to protect the rest of the room from my negative energy because I'd slipped from this beautifully joyous place to this feeling of paranoia and I, I couldn't move these stones were there and I just thought uh, that they've, they've been put there by the people that are holding the space to to keep everybody else happy and safe and continuing on their path. And they were actually just shakers that just happened to have been put there. <laughs> I could have just moved them. <laughs> but Goddamn shakers. Like six hours of this. Six hours of not being able to move and just fear and scepticism. I'd created these stories in my mind where just really skeptical stories about everything that was happening to me and how it was all bullshit and all of this stuff. And these were all just now looking back on it, these were all just lessons about the things that that I approach, that the way that I approach life in my everyday life was kind of like this. And this was basically saying an extreme version of that, you need to heal this shit to stop being skeptical about everything and start loving everything because that's the only way you're going to move on. Um, turn your skepticism into love so 
the second night we went, the moon was bright. The second night the moon was bright. We went outside after the second cup at one point and we all sat around the fire and um, some sacred tobacco was shared. And I remember that night, yeah. Yeah, we had a chat and I was sat there and I was like, right, second cup's done. We've gone outside, we sat around the fire, the moon's nice, we're having a chat, it's nice. We're kind of rolling down, going to bed soon. And now we're going to drink the third cup. Shit. <laughs> oh shit, I can't deal with this. And then it was just the same again, just feeling the stones were still there. The, the, the maracas <laughs> were still there. They were just little plastic eggs, just with like, some beads and that's all they were. But I just, yeah. Um, and just more of the same, more of just dealing with the really dark side of my mind, basically just having all of these things thrown at me that I needed to face up to. Um, and she knew that I needed to face up to them. And that's why she was doing it in such an extreme way. Like I said before, it has to be extreme. Otherwise I don't learn. Um, and finally, morning came about and we went, we went off to bed. Um, and I think it was after night two that we had a break, we had a day and then we did another, the third ceremony was after that, that yep. day break. And I'd, I'd like the following morning got up, had made some notes in my journal, gone online, booked a flight home, like that day, that night I was literally waiting to press the button and I was just going to run away, run away from it all and just get, get out of there because I couldn't deal with it. And I didn't, obviously. Um, and later on you told me that had you known that, you'd have sabotaged it and not let me go, <laughs> which, which was great to hear. <laughs> um, but it... White Caucasian male, beard, <laughs> skinhead. Don't let him on the plane. Definitely got drugs up his bum. <laughs> Deeply. Yeah. Yeah, very well hidden. Very, very well a, hidden. A good rummage around in there for those. Possibly explosives as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so I spent a day crying and just reflecting and crying and reflecting and crying and thinking and crying and went for a swim with Ed in the sea. And that was really helpful, actually. That washed a lot of that negative shit off me um, because that... I went, went swimming in the sea for the first time since I was about eight or something, as we talked about in the first podcast. And I did it. Um, and then had a good sleep that night. Really good sharing circle where I cried my eyes out. Felt like I'd had everything taken away from me. Felt like I was just being shown more loss and pain and hurt, which I was. But at that point, I didn't know that's what I needed. Um she did which is why she gave it me um, but then felt more positive after talking about it because the sharing circles were one of the most powerful parts of the whole 10 days for me very much so um, and yeah I went into night 3 and night 3 was just beautiful absolutely beautiful um couple of cups that night I think I think yeah and the first cup was just again just just immersed in love and 
beauty and light and it was incredible and just shown everything that that I am which is love because that is all I am um, and then the second cup energised me beyond belief I got up and danced for like an hour and pretty much been rooted to the spot during all previous ceremonies until that last cup where I just felt free felt like the shackles had been taken off me I guess um, but yeah just incredible really visually like I said before a lot of people talk about HD movies and flashbacks of their life but that's not what it was it was for me it was just purely emotion there was some there was some visuals some um, I guess some kind of DMT style like fractals and lots of geometry and that kind of thing a few birds swooping into my into my vision but that's not what I was given that's not what I needed I needed to be bathed in all of the possible emotion that I could and taught about what emotion was and how I feel emotion and how I perceive and how I can perceive every emotion that's thrown at me and how I can just turn it into whatever I want mm. yeah and the lesson that because something I'm very good at sorry something I used to be very good at was running away from my problems and that's what night two was all about it was a massive lesson in you can't run away from your shit anymore like there's literally no way you can run away from this I'm going to throw like a massive curveball at you when you least expect it and you can't run away and you're going to have to deal with it and since that point I haven't run away from anything uh, it was I mean probably six months ago now maybe yeah about that but just big lessons big emotional lessons and it took a bit of time to process it's amazing as well how I definitely feel like she knew I was coming and she had an influence in some of the decisions I made before I even got to the retreat before I even knew I was going on the retreat like she knew um, like the fact that I moved to Devon I ended up living there for seven weeks but that was the amount of time that I needed post retreat to escape from reality or just the reality that I was in before mm. I was in this place where I didn't want to be that was just feeding me things that weren't good for me and I went on the retreat and I came back and immediately moved down to a new space by the sea had some time by myself miles away from anywhere and anybody recharge my batteries and then seven weeks after that went right now you need to go and crack on you've got you've got stuff to do you've got a business to run you've got projects that you want to get off the ground you've got a family to look after you've got yourself to look after you've got people to heal people to show the way to and you've done some of your healing from this this present trauma that you've been going through which was something that you needed to get out of your system we've done that for you now you've got that out of your system now go and go and go and do what you need to do what you want to do what you're supposed to be doing and i've been doing that ever since and i'm i'm doing it well 
and I'm loving every minute of it. There are still days that are hard, but there's always going to be days that are hard. It's just how I how I choose to to look at them. Um, but I certainly haven't healed all my shit. There's a lot that I need to go back and look at from my past, um, and I think me and her have an understanding now that I'll be back. Um, there was a period of time where I didn't want to look at any plants or plant-based medicines ever again because it's a difficult it's a difficult process to go through it's a very intense period mm. but if that's what you if you're willing to just submit realize that you have work to do and you have you've got traumas to heal and you've got stuff you need to to work on then that's a brilliant space to do it it's such an incredibly protected environment to be in and you're surrounded by people that they're all there for the same reasons different reasons but the same reasons you've got people holding space for you that know exactly what they're doing they've been there too they were you once they were at the start of their journey once if, if, yeah if you're ready then there's no better thing for me it was it was an incredible 10 days. Absolutely incredible. Um, just, yeah, just life-changing in so many ways. But it, it's life-changing without changing my life. It's just changed my view of life. Um, because my life didn't need to be changed. Because I have everything I've ever needed. It just allowed me to see that. Mm. It was a beautiful experience and made some incredible friends that just are so unconditional in their love to me um, yeah really really powerful few days oh man I totally agree I remember the first time the first time I was or when I started my ayahuasca sort of healing I started in Ibiza and um, I'd never done anything like this in my life I'd never been on a retreat mm. I'd never done anything like this for me by myself I'd always be with my wife and you know rocking up in Ibiza and I turned up three days late because of work commitments so I played catch up and I walked landed this amazing villas in Ibiza you know beautiful first first time in Ibiza as well and um, walked into this huge pool house with you know 25 people all pretty much half naked dying on the floor vomiting <laughs> in the toilet because uh, they do it in the middle of a cambo process and I was just oh. like I sat down I was just like what on earth have I done mm. and then going through like the, the first time I did the ayahuasca and what that showed me on the first night and you know what it what it showed me for the other three nights and then coming back to the UK with just this sort of glimmer, this 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 experience that I had had, which had completely blew my mind away. I'd, I'd never had a, I'd never experienced anything that I'd experienced. I mean, you know, you, you know, in Ibiza it was very very strong medicine, and 
you know, when I'm stood outside by the pool and there's serpents all around me and you can, I mean, you can see them clear as day. I mean, I could rationalize in my mind that they weren't there. Mm. You know, you're looking at your hand and you're watching it just fall apart like sand and then coming back together and all the time you're just being told all these things about human evolution and human history and the universe and just huge waves of just knowledge and information and being taken on amazing visual journeys and and then you know over then you know a, a year process sort of then doing ayahuasca another further sort of ele- I worked out I did it 11 times in 12 months and that allowed me to just really really smash through the work mm. um, and really get to that sort of deeper deeper healing and I think the beautiful thing about these sort of wonderful plant medicines is it it, it just shifts it gives you it gives you glimmers and it shifts your perception and that just allows you just to look at life in a very very different way oh, definitely and um, what I've enjoyed since sort of being a part of these sort of retreats is is, is meeting people like you and, and, and seeing you, you know, when we first met and listening to your story and then spending the 10, ten days with you in Italy, which was just, you know, a huge privilege to spend time with you and with everybody else and mm. to see everyone go through these journeys. With it always in the back of my mind of, you know, the, the difference it's made to me and thinking to myself, do you know what? I, I just want everybody to have these experiences and to be able to shift their perception so they see the reality differently mm. and it takes work it's not a it's not a it's not a magic pill and you have oh, to no. you, you have to do work but when you do when you really realize that you can free yourself from so much bullshit so much from your past that causes pain and disrupts your existence and just makes life long and painful then for me it became almost like a like a game it's like okay so I recognize that if I'm triggered that's not them it's me so if it's inside of me ultimately I can control that if it's inside of them if it was them really doing it I'd have no control over that but it's me so okay so that's that's cool so I have a position of power I can reframe how I view things and then when you start reframing stuff, and of course it takes practice, it takes discipline, and you know, you've got to practice, practice, practice. But I remember when it sort of just sort of slipped in, it just clicked for me. And um, I'd been doing some sort of deep mushroom meditation work. And I'd been sort of pondering for like six hours all of these things about my life. And then it literally, I remember it just went, it just, it just clicked. And I went to bed and I knew it had been a powerful, powerful evening. And I woke up the next day and just so many shifts had changed. And the same with the ayahuasca, you know, nine months previously, the, the, that last that last night, you know, because I always say the last night is like, ayahuasca knows, it's this this deep intelligent, it's not, you know, a- anyone who thinks it's just some sort of hallucinogenic drug, you're, yeah. so, you're so mistaken. It's not at all. Because you drink this stuff and it knows you mm. intimately it it brings up stuff that you don't even remember and 
it just shows you just so much to do with your life and I think this is why I find it just so exciting is that you know now looking back sort of 16 months ago when I was still drinking I was still abusing drugs I was still very lost I was still very scared super anxious super depressed even though I didn't really consciously think it to how I feel now how I wake up every single day and I remember that last night for me we had this huge electrical storm above us all night and then having the huge experience that I had which was just mind-blowingly awe-inspiringly crazy and right and I remember waking up the next day um, and opening my eyes and my the first thing my ego was telling me was like oh my god something is wrong oh something is really really wrong like seriously dude something's really worried get out of bed get out of that building get out of here and I remember getting dressed and getting up and walking into the pine forest and walking in deep into the pine forest as you know sort of descending down towards the sea and I was overwhelmed through my physical senses I could I could see stuff that I'd never seen before. I, I could hear the bugs and the things flying in the air and the leaves rustling the wind. I could smell all the pining and different scents from the clay soil and the, the dew as it was getting heated up from the sun. And all, all it just, all these senses just absolute overload. My ego still just going, oh my God, oh my God, meltdown, meltdown, overload, but something's wrong, something's wrong. And then I'm like, oh my God there's nothing going on in my head and literally I remember looking around almost expecting to kind of see my thoughts suddenly come to me and go oh don't worry anxiety depression we're here and just nothing and just going oh god what have I done to myself yeah like dude oh you screwed up here I remember for, for, for months you know I remember I remember having lunch with a friend of mine who's a doctor and sort of saying mate I just like I I don't have the way I could describe it I was like I don't have thoughts he's like what do you mean I was like my head is just so still it's just silent you know I sit on my sofa at night just like almost yeah, I used to do that looking around for thoughts come on somebody, you're around here somewhere surely and just this absolute stillness and it's never left no whereas before you know as soon as I'd wake up <laughs> bullshit, fear, scare, anxieties, lack of self-confidence, anxiety, judgments, fear, toxic soup, full time. You know, oh, maybe you better take some drugs, get some codeine, get a beer inside you, that'll sort it out. Yeah. And this, this, this plant medicine, with no other help, really, than just me and sitting there self-reflecting and showing me all of my bullshit. It's just you and her. Just you and, you know, Mother Ayahuasca was able to create just this, I mean, monumental, I mean, monumental shift. I mean, I was drinking over 100 units of alcohol every single week and I'm being creative with that accounting. Mm. You know, it was more. You know, and like my friend, the doctor, he's just like, dude, he's like, you know, you were full on, that was alcoholism mm. on a mass scale. And for a long period of time, I went from drinking to not never touching a drop again. Like nothing. 
Yep. No DTs, no shakes, no withdrawals, nothing. I can I could walk into pubs, I could buy beers for friends. Wouldn't give me any issues. Mm. It was like I'd never drunk. It was weird. Like um, <laughs> you find this funny actually because you're into your background in the wine trade. So New Year's Eve, I go out with some friends. We go to this really amazing restaurant and um, waiting to order. So I just pick up the wine menu. I don't even know why I pick up the wine menu because I'm not going to order anything. I still do it. And I look at I look at the menu and I don't recognize a single thing. I'm reading these names and I'm like, I have no idea what a Shiraz is. <laughs> of course, I know I used to. Yeah. But I'm just looking at this this foreign menu just going, I have no idea. It's like, I don't even remember being a drinker. Like my wife, she was saying to me the other day, well, I think she asked me last night, she's like, oh, do you miss it? I was like, no. Mm. I won't lie, over Christmas, when everybody was here, and I'm pouring glasses of champagne, there was a couple of little moments when it was just like, why don't you just have a sip? Yeah. And it was immediately like, no, 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 if I wanted to have a sip, I would have a sip. And I say that to myself. If, if I wanted to drink alcohol, I would, I would drink it. It's that I don't want to drink it. I don't see myself as a, as a drinker. I don't, I don't talk about myself as an alcoholic. Oh, I'm an alcoholic no. in recovery. Yeah. I'm I, just like, I don't drink. I don't drink. I, get I, asked I am thing. not a drinker. Yeah. I just don't see it. I get um, asked it a lot. Do you miss it? Nope. Do you, so do you think you'll ever drink again? Nope. What? Never? No. Never. I will never drink alcohol again. It's a bit weird. Why is it weird? Yeah. Yeah. People always go, why is it? And then you go, somebody else goes, I've given up smoking. They're like, oh, well done, mate. Congratulations. You must feel really good. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've also given up drinking. <laughs> yeah, why, why did you give up the booze? Yeah, what's that for? Yeah, because it's a crutch for so many people. Mm. People don't realise spent a lot of time in the village I grew up in um, over Christmas and recently in between moving 63 times in four months. <laughs> um, and I'm stood there at the bar having the same conversation I probably would have had, but I remember it. And people are like, what are you drinking? I'm drinking pineapple juice. Is there anything else in it? Nope. <laughs> Just pineapple juice. And I can still go to the pub and socialise and have a conversation with people at the bar and just be completely normal. It's not like I'm a leper in the corner because I don't drink. He can't engage with us because he's not drinking. It's it's such a strange world. The, the world of alcohol is very, very strange, especially in country pubs when you walk in and you ask for a vegetable bap and a pint of pineapple juice <laughs> what you don't want beef and you don't want rum <laughs> no, no thanks don't trust this man yeah yeah it's really it's strange I always find it funny when people and I'm out with people and I'm like no no I don't want to drink oh why yeah I just go I used to be an alcoholic oh I'm so sorry yeah <laughs> like why are you sorry yeah. I didn't make you pay for my drinks yeah yeah yeah. It's a funny one, life, and how people. Oh, rattly pipes. <laughs> Some sort of poltergeist I've got in the kitchen. <laughs> and a giant phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing that I learned from, from my plant medicine was how 
the plant medicine I thought I'd been using as medicine wasn't medicine at all, even though it was a plant. Oh, are you talking about cannabis? No. Oh. Yes. Yes and no. I'm talking more specifically about abusing THC, not cannabis, um, because I still use CBD. I basically use the other 148 cannabinoids daily, but I just I don't use THC on a large scale anymore. But that was abuse. That was my biggest form of abuse, self-abuse. Just pummeling myself with being stoned all the time. Something I took from that was that that's not, it's not a place in my life for that anymore. How much were you smoking a week? On average. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Due to certain things that are going on in my life at the moment, I probably shouldn't divulge that information. <laughs> Fair point. Um, but yeah, far too much. From morning until night. But um, you've stopped all that. Oh, completely. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you rec- you rec- you recognised, and that I mean, absolutely. You recognise that, and you you created a change. I mean, that's the positive. That shows that the maturity mm. that you're able to go. I recognise that this is this is something that although I enjoy it, I find it interesting how that triggers people as well these days. Because, but it but it will. Yeah. Like really when I does. when I told when I started talking that I had sort of stopped using cannabis and you know, and, and cutting down massively, you know, I still enjoy using it occasionally. Yeah, it, 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 it triggers people. But it's the same with, you know, if you, when I talk about drinking, you know, it's, it's anything which people are like, oh, well, I, I know, deep down they're like, well, I know I do that. Mm. So should I be looking at this? And I'm not sat here saying, don't smoke weed or don't, don't literally do whatever you want that's it's nothing to do with me but because i don't do it shouldn't be an issue for you i can i i think cannabis is an incredible plant i agree there's so many therapeutic and medicinal uses i'm currently doing a diploma in medical cannabis and cbd to add weight to my business um i think it's yeah it has a place thc has a place but just not in my life at this point in time. It's interesting. I was talking to um, someone the other day and we were having this conversation about cannabis. And actually, do you know what? A lot of people talk to me about this and especially when sort of up our sort of age, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And I know a lot of people who've been smoking cannabis since they were teenagers who are now hitting this sort of age bracket and a lot of them if they're honest they're finding that it's bringing them down it's making them more anxious more depressed um it's not it's not how it used to be or it's not making them feel the same way as it used to and it was an interesting conversation that i think a lot of people would say would agree on that but they don't want to talk about it because people get really defensive about oh yeah. you're, you're bad-mouthing cannabis and yeah. or, or can, you know cannabis doesn't make you paranoid i'm just like i can assure you and i said this to someone again the other day when we were having a conversation about drugs out of all of the substances i have ever taken in my life and i'm talking everything from alcohol to cocaine to every single recreational drug pretty much every single psychedelic drug on this planet, Mm -hmm. I have never, ever, ever felt more horrible, more paranoid, more full of fear, more panged out in my life, more full of 
terror than anything other than a cannabis edible. I'd be stood outside smoking a joint, paranoid that somebody could smell me smoking a joint. That's the amount of paranoia because you're smoking this thing. Yeah, I don't get paranoid. This helps me with my paranoia. And you're smoking it whilst being paranoid because you're smoking it. And that's not to say it's the same for everybody. And this is but a lot of, But I think a lot, a, a lot of that extra fear, though, is because of the, the laws around it yeah. and, and the persecution. And At the point, I lived in the middle of a field. And the only thing that could smell anything that I did was a horse. horse. Yeah. And that's the level of, like, these horses are going to go and tell somebody. But it does. It, you know, I've, 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 had some, I've had some disturbed thoughts when I've been too high or, or in a negative space. And actually, um, that was one of the reasons why I really cut down. I mean, I was never smoking a lot of cannabis anyway because I, I, was, I was vaping it. So I was, I was only vaping, you know, well, I vape carts. I mean, I only vape one or two a month so I mean it's yeah. you're using a tiny tiny I'm, I'm microdosing it ultimately yeah. and vaping it you get the therapeutic benefit from it like wrapping it in a Rizzler and chucking a load of tobacco in there and burning it at however many hundred of degrees yeah. you're just getting stoned Yeah, there's no real therapeutic benefit to that yeah see I don't enjoy that sort of that, that heavy sort of stone experience I don't um, think I could go back to it no. I don't think I ever will not for me now, because what I realise is that because because I feel so clean and so heightened mm. all of the time, anything that I put into my body, be it food or, or a drug or anything like that, which lowers me, I'm I immediately feel it and I go, oh, why, hold on, why why am I taking something which, which actually in truth makes me feel worse than what I do normally? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with pizza being so. Just to go back to pizza being so 2019. I realised that sitting there eating a massive pizza actually makes me feel shit. It was just, a, it was a replacement almost. Oh, I don't smoke spliffs anymore. I'll just eat shit loads of pizza instead. And you just, it's a constant replacement. Weirdly. Same with chocolate. It'd be, an inter- it'd be interesting to see if it sort of put you in a similar space. You know, I if we could do a pizza weed test. If you're sort of yeah, eating all those carbs and fats yeah. and stuff like that, if that sort of puts you into that same sort of like stone slow kind of, because it would, because your body then going to go into sort of semi shut down to sort of digest all that heaviness and the carbs, yeah. which is going to sort of put you into that sort of more relaxed sort of out of it sort of space, that food coma kind of yeah. feeling, which I think is probably similar to maybe feeling baked. I think so. Yeah, if you think about it on a on a on a physiological neurological level yeah. how are you feeling because that's what the human and the ego chases is 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 states vibration a frequency how am i feeling because ev- everything we do regardless of how we're coding if it's negative or positive we're doing it because we it's shifting mm. our level of consciousness that's that couch lock that we talk of How's that any different? My my old man, after a big Sunday roast, looks couch locked on the sofa and exactly. falls asleep. Very. Similar, I guess this right? is what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. I could eat. He could eat a huge pizza, load of garlic bread, and then another pizza if I'm having two pizzas on the same night, and I'm couch locked. Yeah. And it's the same thing, but I'm not smoking weed, so I don't get the couch lock from that. That that. But it's, you just it's, shut down but, and but stare at a television. Yeah. But it's that, isn't it? It's that same state. It's this, the mechanism of what you're looking to obtain is the same. Yeah. 
But now I don't do any of those things. I work until 10 o'clock at night. I have a bath and I go to sleep. Mm. And I don't get any of that couch locky stuff. No, and because you've made fundamental shifts to the way you live. And this, I say this to people all the time and they go, oh, you know, I want to change my life. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, okay, well, what are you doing differently? And in truth, once they drill down, they're doing nothing differently. I'm like, well, how are you expecting to see different results in your reality if you're not doing anything differently at all? I say, it's not going to happen. Hmm. You're just thinking. You're not actually doing. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, don't get me wrong. I think cannabis is incredible. It's, it's I mean, it's, my business is based on cannabis, so I have to think that. CBD, CBD, we're yes, just going to make CBD. Clear. Yeah, completely legal. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, definitely make that point. Actually, yeah, got got some nice <laughs> CBD marmalade, a thousand milligrams of CBD and some marmalade. Yeah, that's a little test. See how that one goes. Um, I look forward to having some on some some toast. Yes, I've not tried it yet. You'll probably try it before me. I will because I've got some nice cornbread up there. Cornbread. Cornbread with some some CBD marmalade. Um, yeah, just for me, and it is only for me. Everyone else can do what they want. I just, I can't, I can't do that anymore because I'm, I'm not using it for what for what it's supposed to be used for. I was using it as an escape tool. But being realistic, and and you know this this comment is likely to sort of vex a few people, but uh, it's the truth. So mm. uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> and if it triggers you you need to do some work yeah exactly and that's, yeah. Um, so that, I'm projecting that all onto you but <laughs> no a lot of people a lot of people do misuse yeah. abuse you know cannabis you know alcohol fast food yeah. everything you know, every, every, everything television yeah TV and it's it's not an attack no it's not it's not a criticism but it's just it's just like it's an observation. If, yeah, it's an observation. And if, if you want your life to, I would argue, to improve and to get better, if you want to make your dreams more likely to become a reality, then you need to become more conscious of how you spend your time, what you think, and all these sort of stuff. Because that's, that's going to model your perception of this reality. And, you know, it's great example right would be a, a bit like what I was talking about to you earlier before we came on air about uh, that time years ago when uh, I'd been to the party and, and, and taken MDMA and I was on the tube talking to everybody yeah right <clears throat> the environment hadn't changed I'm still on a busy London tube which ordinarily without MDMA in my system there's no way I'd walk up and down the tube talking to people I just simply wouldn't do it because my ego is going to be creating this noise they're going to judge you they're going to think you're weird you're going to look silly all of this fear-based nonsense right the reality is the same I'd taken this substance which would then artificially shift my perception so the same experience then becomes completely different. I'm responding completely different to it, it's feeling different, etc. It's the same bloody situation. Now you can do this, you don't need to have drugs. You can, you can create these shifts in your perception which will then change how you react to the reality that you find yourself in. And this is what I found really fascinating with doing deep psychedelic work and psychedelic therapy is how it just allows you to shift your perception so but not just for 
eight hours on MDMA and you wake up the next day feeling like shit. Yeah. But you know, you, you shift your level of perception so it's on full time. You know, and I say, I, I joke about this to people all the time because people are like, oh, you know, dude, you're always full of energy. You always seem really happy, chilled out and relaxed, blah, blah, blah. And like, I wake up every single day and I, I chuckle about this as I'm walking down the street quite often. And I feel like I'm on drugs. You know, I generally feel enhanced, like I have taken some sort of stimulant which helps me concentrate, stay present, stay focused. It's just this heightened state all of the time. And it's actually, it's only when I'd say take, you know, vape cannabis now that I've noticed myself, it actually goes lower. It actually lowers the frequency. Mm. It doesn't heighten me. So that's why I'd rarely, you know, use it much. Yeah. But I do still think it's a wonderful plant and it should completely be legalized. hundred oh, percent. I don't think anything, anything should be illegal. No, I agree. I I'd like to think that in the next five years, we're going to see cannabis and psychedelics be legalized here, just like we're seeing in the US. It's the madness of the term controlled substance. So when you think alcohol isn't a controlled substance and cannabis is a controlled substance, as a 14-year-old, what can you get your hands on? Weed. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So it's not controlled. No. When or they, coke or pills anything. or whatever. But when, 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 when the government starts to recognise that a law doesn't actually stop anybody from doing anything if they, if they choose to... Yeah. And, you know, something like cannabis, for example, is the most used recreational drug in the world. Mm. It's multi, it's, well, I think 114 times safer than alcohol, which is legal. You know, we've seen pretty much half the US legalize cannabis with incredible results, huge revenues and tax, which yeah. can be helped to fund the NHS and schools and all of this sort of stuff, lift people out of poverty, improve city centers. You know, with the right education and you know the right sort of promotion you know it could be a very sort of healthy alternative to alcohol mm. um, there's lots of ways you don't have to smoke weed you could have it in a sort of a alcohol free weed cocktail if you want to have it <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or you know an, an edible so many different ways and all have completely different effects and benefits and mm. even like using cannabis to help alcoholics or any form of addiction. It's an incredibly powerful tool for that. I see with me when I was drinking, and I think this is one of the reasons why I've cut down on the cannabis, is that they were they were they were partners. So I noticed drink booze, smoke weed, perfect combination for me. Yeah. Because it'd be sativa for the energy. Yeah. Alcohol to shut down the mind. Yeah. Shut down the anxiety and all of that and make you give less of a shit. And then the sativa to give you the energy, the focus, so you could be that functioning alcoholic in society. Mm. Good combination, it worked well. <laughs> but it just it just suppressed. Yeah. It just continued to suppress all my darkness, which was horrendous. So it was a really bad idea. Yeah, it it worked well for the storytelling, but it it, mm. didn't, it didn't work well. Oh yeah, it was it was perfect if I wanted to continue being that actor. Exactly. Never facing my stuff, but if I never faced my stuff, I was never going to become me. And that was my choice, and it. No one would have judged me if that would have been the case. Yeah. No, I think um, I think all drugs illegal 
drugs should be legalized for one of a better well yeah legalized or at least decriminalized re-legalized re exactly yes yeah, so cannabis has been illegal for a hundred years it's ridiculous it's been used it's been it's been on this planet for 27 million years i love i love how humans are like there's something which has been around pretty much longer than us but we're going to deem it illegal and that basically means a couple of dozen people just go we don't like this so we're going to decide that the rest of the pretty much global population aren't allowed to use it however our ancestors have been using it for thousands of years as a very effective medicine it's a fantastic food it, it you know you can build rope you can build houses you can make concrete out of it you can, i mean plastics any plastic can it, be made out of hemp all any of this fuel stuff can be made out of hemp you know, BMW use them use hemp in the side of their panels of their doors now, and yeah, I think it was it, might, it was either Porsche or some other supercar manufacturer built an entire supercar made out of hemp panels. Oh, easy! Just like like the the dollar bill used to be made out of hemp. Like loads of some of the the most famous pieces of art were made were painted on hemp canvases used to be illegal not to grow hemp in certain states. <laughs> this country's kind of agricultural background was based on hemp at one point. Super nutritious, the seeds. Yeah, Apparently a, ki- kilo, a kilo of seeds has enough nutrition, I think, to keep an like adult the, male going for... One of the most proteinous seeds. Well, it's got... I believe it's got all 21 aminos. It's, building blocks of life. It's the perfect plant can't overeat the seeds hemp poo hemp poo nothing worse than hemp poo you probably make something out of it though <laughs> no you could I'm sure yeah you could recycle that yeah is there anything else you can think of to discuss to round off the podcast today my friend it's a good question Nothing relevant. <laughs> Plenty of things we could talk about. Um, that's, that's where we suddenly sort of forget to sort of stop recording and then just sort of <laughs> go off into this sort of tangent, a sort of rant about Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Being an alien. <laughs> Self, self-confessed alien as well. We haven't come to that conclusion for him. Um, I don't think so. I think we've I think we've covered all topics we were planning on covering today. Yeah. Do you think you're going to do more big deep dives on the plant medicine? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be going back. I'm thinking. <laughs> at the time, I thought oh, I'll make this my annual holiday. Um, and then afterwards, I thought I don't want to make that my annual holiday. And now I'm coming around back to the idea that I might make it my annual holiday. Because um, the work's ongoing, it's never going to stop. No. Um, what plants I need to use for the different areas I need to work on will probably change, and the, I imagine there'll be a point where I don't need to use plants at all because they are just a tool. Yeah. Um, they don't do the work for you. But there's definitely things I need to work on, places I need to go that I've blocked out like the first 14 years of my existence 
basically don't remember that. There are big traumas from that part of my life that I need to dive into and I need, I don't need, I think, um, I think plant medicine can help me go back there and, and work on that. Definitely. I, I was, you know, our stories are, you know, are similar in many ways because I couldn't, I used to struggle remembering a lot of my childhood and I never knew why. And my brother would always take the piss out of me going, oh, you know, because he'd always have amazing recall. Do you remember that? And I'd be like, mm. I'd be like dude, like, no, I, I, I don't have any conscious, yeah, I don't have any conscious same. sort of memory of, of huge chunks of my, my, my life. And it was April last year, so six months after my big thing. And April, literally the, the whole the whole ten days was all my childhood. All childhood, all stuff that I had I had no memory of. Mm. Like no memory. You know, just and, and, and situations which had just created such painful blockages yeah. in me. Yeah, and fear-based stuff, and 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 it was all just clearing all of, all of it out. A lot of school-based stuff, a lot of stuff from my parents' divorce and traumas, and and it 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 just showed me where right when this happened, this is the source of your self-doubt. Mm-hmm. When this happened, this is your lack of self-confidence. When this happened, this is what created this. This is what created that. So it was fascinating to go through it, but it was challenging. Yeah. But challenging in a beautiful way. Um, I, I did quite a few videos about it. Um, but then it was interesting. Also in April, Mother Ayahuasca was like, you know, when you get to 13, Ayahuasca's your 13th. It's an interesting 13 has always been my lucky number since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um I've when always you, looked at it as a lucky. My sister was born on Friday the thirteenth. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Friday the thirteenth has always been a really good day for me. And everyone's like, "Oh no, Friday the 13th. No, I've always been. I've always been cool with it. I've always liked it. Thirteen. Um, and then now I'm like, um, yeah, I'm, I don't. I don't need to do. I don't feel I need to do the ayahuasca again. But, but at the same time, you know, it was it was heavily suggested that I continue working with the yeah. psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you I know, think to, to 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 further to further it. I don't know whether I don't know whether I need to go back to ayahuasca. I think I think mushrooms and DMT can can give me what I need. Um, I found I found my own use of DMT on my own to be incredibly beneficial. Showed me so much and helped me with so many things. And psilocybin as well just the insight I get from it is, is very, very powerful. Yeah, same. I think, I think psilocybin is the most amazing therapeutic tool. I've literally watched my mind be rewired, have bits plugged back in, uh, plugged back in mm. um, at various points. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's an incre- incredible. I, I can't wait for the mainstream media and science to really catch up with just the absolute wondrous beauty of psilocybin and, and and DMT I think they're both hand in hand I think they're just for me personally I mean they've just they've completely shook my entire reality mm. to its absolute fundamentals yeah. and has allowed me to free my mind from just so much self-imposed bullshit 
and for that I will I will always be so wonderfully grateful to those two molecules because it's just I mean when I do reflect on how I was to how I am now I mean I feel like the most blessed most blessed human here on earth I feel so fortunate I feel so lucky I feel so humbled I feel so honored I feel so grateful mm. I feel so much appreciation to everything that it's allowed me to see mm. to see the finer detail the finer magic in life and you know professionally for work it's just it's just accelerated my work beyond everything you know and it is you know and it's and it's been explained that you know when you fix when you heal you know all of that energy you're using to focus on the past which no longer exists this is the bloody madness you know we yeah. we focus i was focusing so much energy and attention on things that don't exist yeah that's the truth of it only in memory and imagination and you're like you're holding yourself prisoner boon mm. this is you mate everything you are telling yourself all of these self-imposed restrictions are self-imposed you can keep blaming you know your parents or your schooling or divorce or whatever on it but it's you yeah it's all you mate and it's it's all right if you want to keep that shit it's fine it's your choice you were given free will so you know what if you want to spend the rest of your life feeling bloody miserable scared frightened anxious you know just in terror the whole time you know drinking drugs you know just trying to keep your shit together and then that's fine if that's what you want to do if that's how you want to live go for it no judgment however mm. if you choose to just go and walk towards that scary stuff we promise you that you will walk through it like this veil and then you'll turn around you'll look at it and you'll realize that it's just it just poof, it dissolves actually fear the majority of the time it's just an illusion yeah i mean obviously if you're in the serengeti and you come across some sort of like nasty beast then yeah you're in the shit it's like a lion in front of yeah, you yeah you can be, be scared, scared of it <laughs> but the, the fear that you're creating in your head about situations and judgments and all this yeah it's, it's an illusion definitely and the crazy thing is is once you start to recognize that your physical body which is what you use to code this experience through your five senses doesn't know the difference between a thought you're creating in your head to a real life situation out here. Yeah. So if you're thinking fear, terror, anxiety, depression, how's your body going to respond in that way? It can't tell the difference. So then a thought very quickly turns into this real life, oh my God, I feel wretched. How am I going to survive? Mm. And it's you doing it. And it was me doing it. All, all of my misery, all of the situations that I wanted to blame others for, it was, it was all essentially me. And as soon as I took ownership of that, it was just like you just just snip these thousands and millions of balloons which are just sort of hanging on to you the whole time. You just all this weight just went, yeah. and then you re and then you pull back all of this energy which you've you've just been investing in other tragic areas which no longer exist. Mm. Yeah, I, I spent so long planning a future that wasn't happening it wasn't there it wasn't real it didn't exist imagination and dwelling on all of the shit that had happened to me that i was defining my existence by which was memories mm. but 
neither of them are there. And yeah, the the plants help me to realise that the present is the only place to be. It is the only way place to be, for sure. Yeah, and nothing else has has ever got me even close to that point. And they were the tool that allowed me to realise that that is possible, possible, and where I need to be, mm. and where we should all be. And if we were all in the present. Man, can you imagine being such a beautiful place? Can you imagine the difference to this world if everyone was present? Yeah. There'd be no projection. There'd be no fear. Just be, yeah. Be a wonderful place. Not that it isn't a wonderful place. But it would be even better. It would be even better. Just imagine having every single day being the best day of your life. Yeah. That's possible yeah, for everybody. For everybody, regardless of what has happened before. Yeah. Well, we can create. We 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 have humans have the power. We have the technology. We have the the ability. We have the resources to create this utopic existence here on Earth. Should we choose to do it, and we could do it very quickly. Mm -hmm. And actually, the more people become more conscious, the more people expand their awareness, the more that people start to recognize how their internal being deeply affects the reality that they experience, then the sooner then the people will start to recognize the influence that they have and the positive influence that you can have into jointly co-creating this utopic existence. And that's what's needed. There's no point you and I just trying to do it. It's like if everybody starts to create little shifts and changes in what they do and how they think, more importantly. Mm. You know, because your reality, you know, your experience will very closely correlate with the thoughts in your mind, what you see and experience. If you're waking up every single day and you're just thinking that you're a victim and life is crap, then your ego is going to find every single experience in your day to go see told you so and you'll be a victim and your life will be crap yeah it's that's literally that simple yeah i think we're both we both we both want to help help other people realize these things oh my god like i i um i can't remember if i've ever spoken about this actually but like yeah in, the, in, in october 18 when i was you know, on the big ayahuasca, you know, I said, I said that to whoever's up there or whoever's listening. I was just like, look, you, you, you help me, you help me fix myself. Mm. You give me what I need to have to fix myself. And then I will make it my mission to try and help as many other people fix themselves. I say this to clients all the time. It's like, I, I'm, I'm not going to fix you. No, you're going to fix your own shit. But I'm going to be there to help facilitate you yeah, fixing your own you. shit. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to be here to hold space. Doesn't matter if you if you cry, shout, scream. It's, I'm I'm here. It's, it's all cool. Let's just get you to a different point. Because the more people self heal and start to improve and fix their shit, the better life gets very quickly for everybody. It's a win win. And this is the system we live in at the moment. We've got you know this corrupt elite who, you know, is going to become much more apparent over the coming years, keep us sick, mm -hmm. keep us in fear, keep us doubting. And, you know, the, the sooner we realise that, 
you know, we can radically change our lives for the better and for everyone else on this planet. And that's going to be a really beautiful, really beautiful day. Yeah. And that's something I want to encourage many more people to really think about. Think about the extraordinary because it can be achieved. Mm. We've just got to decide that it's possible. And once we've decided it is possible, then we can make it a reality. Definitely. So that's my thoughts. I think they're good thoughts. Good thoughts. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we've just punched in over two hours, which I think is a good is a good length. <laughs> yeah. What? Good length indeed. Very and, good length. Um, Actually, my stomach's beginning to rumble. Apologies, <laughs> apologies to anybody who, who, who heard the couple of rumbles. They definitely of, must have. I could. I, I could <laughs> midway, midway through. Um, there's a couple of rumbles there. Um, so, yeah, boom, boom, tummy's saying it's lunchtime. What time it's, is it anyway? Past 12 o'clock, so I'm allowed to eat. Yeah, it's 1.33. I think we should go and get some food. Let's do that. Lovely jubbly. All right, guys. Well, listen, amazing. Thanks, thanks, Luke, for, Thank for coming for and, and checking in. It's always a pleasure. And um, Checking in rather than checking out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's, I meant to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, to check in with you. And I just want to say on a personal note, it's just been such a beautiful pleasure to sort of get to know you as a person. And this is something that I really enjoy with doing what I do and meeting people who follow me and creating real-life friendships from that. And yeah and going through your journey with you from meeting you and seeing you personally grow massively in a very, very short period of time is, is hugely exciting. Mm. You know, I want to see people transform their lives mm. and you, you are somebody who's, who's definitely done that and continues to daily work on yourself. And I think that's hugely commendable because I know your story and I, I've, I've seen you. I was there right alongside you witnessing you going through the ups and the downs and you know talking with you intimately about all of this and sharing some really special moments together and I think you know for me life doesn't get any more beautiful than that you know that that deep vulnerability that deep deep human connection yeah I think it's just it's for me I find it a huge privilege and so humbling to be able to have that connection with people like yourself and, and you know all the others on the retreat it's just a, yeah. Uh, yeah it's just beautiful and it's just awe inspiring to witness people like yourself take the plunge because i kind of forget how hard it is at the beginning when mm. you are facing all of this you know i've kind of punched through that now where life is for me pretty good I still have to do daily work, of yeah, course. Of course. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm still reminded how absolutely terrified I was at the beginning, and how really jumping out of the comfort zone and doing deep work, which is very, very challenging, very, very emotional. It's just beautiful watching other people prepare to take that jump in such an amazing way and hearing your story and then seeing the changes and seeing the changes in the others. It's just, yeah, it's really special. Well, thank you as well for everything that you've done for me over the last eight months. It's, yeah, it's humbling from my side too. And I've got a lot of love for you. Right back at you, mate. But this is, but this is the fun thing. This is, this is how life should be. You know, we all have, unique abilities 
which can help other people unlock theirs. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what life should be, you know. And I think this is an important message for people listening. Actually, is you know, if you want to make fundamental changes in your life, change how you are with other people. Yeah. Smile, judge less, have more compassion, practice unconditional love, oh. see yourself in everybody else. Mm. Because essentially we are all one. We're all from the same source. And we're all here. Ultimately, the real purpose is to help each other grow and evolve so we can understand and, and, you know, become enlightened, you know, remember who we really are, what we really are, why we're really here. Mm. And the sooner humanity can work together as one, as a team, instead of being separated by color country whatever race religion the sooner we'll be able to create this utopic existence this heaven on earth and it's it's nuts that in the 21st century you know we're still looking at others and judging them because of their religion or their belief system or their sexuality or what country they're from or any of this utter bloody nonsense you know we are human beings we are all one and we are here to grow and evolve and to create a wonderful existence for all. And the quicker we recognize that, the quicker we're going to improve this world. And life is just going to become a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll go into more detail in another podcast. <laughs> but anyway, we're going yeah. gonna to sign off. Uh, but big love to you all. Thank you so much for listening. And um, we'll chat soon. Take care. Cheers, Luke. Well, thank you so much for tuning into that podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed the conversation with Luke and I. Um, I certainly did, and I know he did as well. Again, um, any of you interested in coming on to the Healing Retreat with us, uh, just do drop me a DM or email me, awesome at awesomeboon.com. Super, super easy. Other than that, I wish you all an absolutely incredible day. Go forth, conquer, spend time with the people that you love. Remember to do the things that drive your passion in life life is a wonderful gift and uh, the sooner you sort of get back into a full alignment with what you really want to do then life will arguably become a lot more interesting other than that i wish you all the most incredible day and uh, i look forward to seeing you all uh, on the next podcast big love